This podcast is brought to you by My Roadcast, the all-new podcasting competition from Rode Microphones. Whether you are just starting out or a seasoned professional, Rode is inviting you to submit a two-minute podcast on any topic and in any format to go in the running to win a share in $150,000 worth of prizes, including the all-new Roadcaster Pro podcast production studio. Find out more at myroadcast.com and get podcasting. This podcast is also brought to you by Blackmagic Design. Blackmagic Design's DaVinci Resolve software combines professional offline and online editing, color correction, audio post-production, and now visual effects all in one software tool. The standard for high-end post-production, DaVinci Resolve is used for finishing more Hollywood feature films, episodic television programming, and TV commercials than any other software. Hey everybody, this is John Fusco, and you're listening to the No Film School Podcast. Johannes Nieholm, director of Sundance standout Coco D. Coco Da, takes the whole wearing many hats thing into a whole other dimension. If you're looking for a filmmaker who has complete command over his material, then look no further than this Swedish auteur. It would take too long to list all of his credits on this film, but how about writer, director, producer, editor, colorist, VFX artist, and shadow puppet designer slash performer for a start? Niholm is a great believer in the do-it-yourself ideology, and through years of hard work, he has truly taught himself the tools necessary to put it into practice. What he may have an even better knack for, however, is when to step away and let his collaborators take the wheel. It's both of these abilities combined that have garnered him a successful career in the film industry. His latest film, Coco D. Coco Da, follows a couple that goes on a camping trip to find their way back to each other, only to be haunted by a sideshow artist and his shady entourage who emerge from the woods and terrorize them, luring them deeper into a world of psychological terror and humiliating slapstick. Niholm joins us on the No Film School podcast today to discuss why working with a smaller team can be smarter than working with a large one, growing your cinematic toolkit, and more. Enjoy! Hey everybody, uh, it's John Fusco. I am here with Johannes Nilholm. Yeah, very impressive. All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, and this is actually the second time he's been on our show. Um, and I think this is the first time I've ever had a repeat guest on my show. And I'm really excited uh, to talk about your movie, Coco D, Coco Da. Um, uh, the last time you were on the show, we were in Toronto um, at TIFF, and you were there with The Giant. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, you have this follow-up, which is, uh, I mean, it's it's really something. <laughs> you actually asked the audience um, sort of before the show, or when the screening that I saw, uh, if they could give you a hand with uh, naming the genre of the film. Uh, and it was really funny because the audience then gave you uh, applause. <laughs> <laughs> um but I think that I have a genre for you, so I'm gonna start with that. Oh, fantastic! Uh, I think it's a ghost film. I don't know if that's really like a a genre, but I think it's I think it's a ghost film. Yeah. yeah what yeah. What do you think about that? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it is. But then, isn't that uh, pro, uh, isn't that what do you say? implied that it's also a horror movie if it's a ghost film i don't know i don't know if it's, it's it is kind of a, it's a um, but isn't a ghost film a 
a semi genre or, or, or a small genre of a, a horror yeah like a genre. like a branch maybe like a bra- branch of the horror I think that genre. like in today's horror landscape there's so much going on that like sort of subverts the genre in a mm. way and yours maybe is like more of a dramatic ghost story I think than mm. it is like a horror ghost story I mean really it's a surreal ghost story a r- so- romantic ghost story dramatic a romantic ghost romantic story. yeah I think so I really think a so. Rogo. A rogo. Yeah, a rogo. <laughs> I like that. So there you go. Yeah. We got your genre. <laughs> you can credit that to, yeah, to me yeah. if you want. Um, but anyway, so back to back to the last time we talked, you know, um, one thing. Actually, you know what? I'm going to ask first, you know, how has it, how has, uh, how had the Giants' uh, success sort of propelled you to the point where you could make Coco D, Coco Da? What changed for you? Uh, the thing is, the process has been uh, quite unorthodox, I think, because we started uh, shooting Kukudikukuda before the giant, and it, with the intention to finish it before. But then the giant uh, took over uh, in the in the post production of Kukudikukuda, and I really needed to focus on that because we had a set date when we should start to shoot. It was a big team, and so so we couldn't wait. So it was a bit disturbing actually mm. to just halt something that was so I mean almost done mm-hmm. and then pause it for a long time we worked with the giant for three years and then come back again and finish it off uh, <clears throat> but we gained a lot from that oh that I'm too. sure uh, yeah I mean it adds uh, a lot to the uh, to the maybe the dreamlike structure uh, unconsciously I think that uh, the people they uh, they change in age uh, all over the film. They go back and forth like uh, five years uh, between shots. Uh, maybe you don't notice it, but if you know, uh, but you can you can feel it unconsciously. I think. So one thing you did mention because I just listened to that po- the podcast that we did together. I cheated a little bit. Yeah. Um, you talked a little bit about how having a bigger production team actually uh, was sort of annoying in a way um, with the production of the giant. Uh, this was a much smaller production team, yeah, right? Yeah, it was. So, can you talk about the benefits of working with a smaller production team versus, like, maybe the team that you, the the size of the team, not necessarily like the people on the team mm-hmm. um, from the giant? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it's a lot easier to improvise. Uh, what we have with Kukudi Kukuda is we have a lot of time but a few people and uh, we can improvise a lot and uh, change the story more or less from day to day uh, we can uh, that's much harder if you if you are a big team there's so many people that needs to be prepared for uh, what will happen next or they they would feel just that uh, I run over them uh, or if, if I just come up with new things all the time uh, it's very hard to, to get this whole uh, uh, I mean, uh, what do you say? Uh, this whole troop to uh, go in the the same direction. Mm. It's easy if if they if they're not with you in that um, uh, in that um, uh, what do you say? Uh, if you don't have the same goal specified, then uh, they it, they could easily work against you instead. Mm-hmm. So this, you felt like you were all more like on the same page maybe or, or like you had the same goals in mind. Or maybe it was even easier to communicate those goals to the smaller team. Yeah, it, it's much easier. Uh, but then, of course, I, I have to say that I'm not so experienced actually with with big productions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Giant was my, my first 
film with a really big production. So it was a lot of um, a lot of learning with it. Uh, uh, but I mean, a lot is just about to prepare yourself and the team. If if everyone is prepared and know how you will work, I mean, it's also possible to work with a lot of improvisation with a big team. But just if everyone is fine with it, if you're prepared with that way to work. Uh, with the giant, we, we didn't have uh, much time to prepare, mm -hmm. so uh, we got into situations which was uh, quite painful, both for me and I mean for definitely for for the rest as well. They probably felt like uh, I didn't guide them enough. Uh, sometimes I would say they weren't used to my way of working, mm -hmm. and I wasn't used to they, their way of working. We have communicated too little before starting to shoot, mm -hmm. too much in a rush. Mm -hmm. Well, this definitely felt like a more intimate production in a way. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, you had what five, like, really five actors the entire during the latter half of the, uh, yeah. where, the where the majority of the action happens. I would say. Yeah. Um, did you ever go back once you were done with the giant? Did you go back and start filming more for yeah, Coco? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. What was yeah. that? What was that like? Did you take anything that you learned from the giant and sort of apply it uh, to that process? Uh, no, not really like that. Uh, but more. When you have a film that's, you have it on uh, on the timeline. It's it's almost a complete film, but it has been like that for three years. Mm -hmm. And then you look at it again. It's like uh, it's so much easier to see what's missing. You can see that okay, I'm, I just miss one little scene here, one little uh, complementary scene here, and the balance would be much better. Mm -hmm. So small complementary stuff uh, in between. Uh, that's uh, that's it. It's it's like uh, some of them I knew before, but hadn't had time to do before. But some of them um, came from rewatching it hmm. with some time in between. So then, when you're writing uh, di Kokoda, uh, how how long? I guess like how long is that script? Do you know what I mean? It's a very it's a very unorthodox uh, way of storytelling. Would you say that the script was uh, sort of different than what a normal script would look like? Yeah, for sure, because it's uh, it's written uh, like uh, just like uh, notes, very quick notes in a in in a notebook that maybe only I can read because it's uh, very clumsily written, very quickly written. Uh, but then I uh, it doesn't exi uh, okay. I, I for the actors, of course, I've I've. Um, Tra transcribed or whatever you say, those to uh, a more normal script, but it doesn't exi exist a script from from uh, the start to the end of the film yet. Uh, but sometimes I think I will have to make one uh, retrospectively uh, because you sometimes end up in situations where where people need to read a script or see a script. So I probably will need to uh, to put that together from all the different uh, pieces. Mm. So speaking about like the fact that you were the writer and of course you're the director of this movie, I was watching the credits roll mm -hmm. and you have so many different credits uh, as to what you do in your films and especially Coco D, Coco Da. Can you tell us everything, yeah. every role you played? <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I think it's ridiculous to add yourself uh, in too many places, but sometimes uh, it's uh, sometimes it's actually important yeah. uh, for... Uh, uh, for uh, telling um, the industry how things work, mm -hmm. because um, 
uh, when working with Dandruff film, for example, with, with the giant, um, uh, I, I was credited as a writer and director, uh, but and also a, uh, a co-editor. But uh, I did so much more than that, and uh, everyone thinks that uh, other people have been do doing that. I mean, professional that are trained professionally to doing this, but uh, for some reason they failed. They didn't have enough time, have money. So I ended up sitting there for uh, over a year doing stuff that someone else uh, was credited for, which, and I didn't get paid for it. I didn't get credit for it. But the industry thinks that it is, this is how it works. Mm -hmm. That professionals do the professional stuff and uh, you know so and yeah. the artists are often the one that suffer from this because yeah. they, they don't they don't get paid in the end uh, either with credits or e and either with uh, with a salary mm -hmm. so i think it's um, i think you should be credited credited for what you do yeah. i mean and i mean i i i just put i've done so much more in cocodile than that's in the credits that i, I don't i think it's not uh, uh, so important. I mean, I shot the shadow play, the photography in the entire shadow play. It's like um, a fifth of the the film uh, or something like that. But I, I don't think it's important for me to call myself a photographer. Uh, uh, and I'm, what's important is uh, the things that, uh, that I could actually... Um, want to do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, next time that you could like market yourself yeah, as later yes, on exactly. Right, right, right. exactly I mean I really enjoyed going into color grading for example yeah I noticed uh, that yeah, that, yeah. that was one of the ones that was like he color graded this yeah, yeah, too yeah. <laughs> I mean I've done all that myself before yeah uh, when, when doing music videos and so that's I mean it's like you paint your movies mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like uh, I feel like when I've been color grading with other people I feel like uh, someone has cut off my wings. Mm -hmm. I sit there uh, with my fingers and I can just do it. let me do it, let me do it. I'm trying to explain in words what I want to do. And it, it's really hard to communicate that faster than you would do it yourself. Or actually, it, sometimes it's impossible to even uh, tell someone else how to paint something. Yeah. So, and uh, I enjoyed really a lot to kind of get into the color grading myself. Uh, it, it was a very hard film to color grade because so much day and night shots, uh, so much things to do in each and every shot that uh, if you fail with that, the entire movie uh, looks ridiculous. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing you did too for The Giant was I remember you did all the like VFX essentially. And not all. I did 30%. Something okay. Like that. Yeah. But for this film, there were some VFX, right, included? Uh, there, there's a lot, but you don't see what's VFX in this movie so easily because... <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I really yeah, yeah. like that. You, yeah, know? Yeah. You, use, you use it in a way that really like supports the story rather than uh, hitting someone over the head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I did a little bit of that now. Uh, maybe, maybe the same, like 30%, something like that. Uh, uh, I enjoy that too, but... Uh, but I've done so much of that before, so it's not so new and exciting to me. And uh, I really need to find uh, VFX people that uh, that I can work closely with. Like, I mean, I find a photographer that I really love to work with, Johan Lundboy. He's fantastic. We have so much collaboration, and we are we're very close. Uh, in, I mean, he came up with a lot of the stories for Kukudi Kukuda while working on it, so he's been such a big help. And I, I need to find people like that also on the post-production side. Mm. Uh, I mean... I, I don't necessarily need to do all these things myself. Yeah, I mean, it, it's totally true. I, like, you need to find those sort of collaborators. Those collaborators in post-production are just as important as the collaborator, collaborators during production and during pre-production. For sure, for sure. People um, forget about that. Yeah, they absolutely do. 
This podcast is brought to you by My Roadcast, the all-new podcasting competition from Rode Microphones. Rode is inviting podcasters of all experience levels to showcase their talents. Submit an incredible two-minute podcast on any topic and in any format to go in the running to win a share in $150,000 worth of prizes, including the all-new Roadcaster Pro Production Studio, Rode Pod Mics, headphones from Urban Ears, Adobe subscriptions, and heaps more. Find out how to enter, who will be judging, and see the full list of prizes at myroadcast.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Blackmagic Design. Blackmagic Design has grown rapidly to become one of the world's leading innovators and manufacturers of creative video technology. The company's philosophy is refreshing and simple, to help true creativity blossom by allowing the highest quality video to be affordable to everyone. Its products include the world's highest quality video editing products, digital film cameras, color correctors, live production switchers, and a host of other hardware for the feature film, post-production, and television broadcast industries. The Pocket Cinema Camera 4K is Blackmagic Design's new next-generation 4K handheld camera. It comes with dual native ISO with an amazing up to 25,600 ISO for incredible light performance, a full four-thirds HDR sensor, and 13 stops of dynamic range. It also comes with both ProRes or RAW recording to internal SD UHS-2 and CFAS cards, or even external USB-C drives, eliminating the need for expensive external recorders. You're a multidisciplinary artist. You have these shadow puppets in the film that we see. Uh, you do this VFX work. Uh, you have such a command over like a, a wide array of tool sets. How would you say that you know, aside from maybe the obvious, uh, having the knowledge of these tools has really like helped you uh, to create these films? Uh, I think it's uh, it's essential to to know the tools uh, by hand to. To get some ideas of what you can do, uh, or uh, actually some some, it, it's really hard to just buy a concept. Tell uh, or um, uh, I think it it helps if you can do something by hand. It helps your mind also. It's uh, uh, I think it's as important to. Um, I mean, I shot uh, movies before my own movies before early in the days. Uh, and I really, I really miss that because I, I think it helped a lot uh, in the creative process to be, to be very close to your subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like that with, uh, with all art or craftsmanship, and so it's, uh, it's good to know it by hand. Uh, even when other people do it for you, it's good to understand them, uh, understand how it's done. When you're, when you have such a large uh, fingerprint on your movies you know you're doing so much uh, how do you keep yourself open for collaboration with others do you know what I mean like how do you really keep an open mind to hear other people when you have so much control yeah I mean the best collaborators the best type of collaborators are the ones that are are creative that I don't need to uh, I don't need to I mean tell them what to do I just need to kind of uh, be around them and uh, uh be around the story together with them, and uh, things will come out from them without me kind of forcing it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Johan Lundborg, it, it works like that. And with uh, with musicians I work with, it works like that. I work with uh, mm-hmm. with uh, two fantastic musicians for this film, uh, Simon Olsson and uh, Ole Kornier, for example. It's it's not like, uh, of course, I need to uh, inspire them mm-hmm. and uh, kind of get them in the mood. But then. Uh, 
almost always it, it works better if I let them free. Mm. Yeah, totally. Well, how do you how do you inspire them? Do you know what I mean? How do you? Is it through sort of providing them with the context of the world that you've created, or what sort of things did you do to help inspire those collaborators uh, on this project? Yeah, I mean, we, of course, we can we can watch uh, movies together. We can see movies together, li- uh, listen to stuff uh, that's similar, and so it's. Uh, uh, it's hard to explain sometimes, and sometimes people just understand by themselves. It's not. Uh, I mean, when working, yeah, I don't know. It's it's different for each product. I would say sometimes it's it's their music that inspire me more than I, I inspire them. Yeah, I remember you saying that you know your first collaboration was with Little Dragon on one of their music videos, right? And it was the shadow it was shadow puppetry. Uh, my first uh, yeah. uh, first time I made shadow puppetry. Yeah, but I made a lot of music videos before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, when starting with this technique. That's also in in Kukudi Kukuda. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, how would you say that that has kind of come full circle for you in a way? Like, why was it important for you to keep uh, this uh, not really relic of your past, but this exploration that you did in the past in this new project? Yeah, it's because I I thought that this project lacked something. It lacked uh, uh, some kind of uh, poetry some kind of um, uh, warmth and some some kind of uh, a little bit of, of a guidance uh, of something bigger not just this very very claustrophobic this film is so claustrophobic for yes. for a long 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 time I, I th- thought it was really really important to get uh, to get the audience to fly off somewhere else to, yeah. to a poetic landscape where you can see completely different things with completely different eyes and uh, get some poetry and beauty in the, all this ugliness yeah give them a break so that it yeah, like yeah. hits them yeah, yeah for harder. sure for sure yeah for sure to give them time to breathe mm-hmm. as well and then i think this shadow puppetry felt uh so good in connection to this movie in many ways mm. well i guess i'm getting the, the wrap-up signal but i will ask a question that i ask all my guests and that's if you have and I'm pr- you've probably answered this before but if you had one piece of advice to give to emerging filmmakers and really auteur because you're like i mean you have every every part is of these films are controlled by you in a way how do you how do you keep such a distinct voice as an emerging filmmaker uh i mean it's it's hard to uh, to tell each each and every one are different and have a different way to work but for me it has been really important to, to as we were talking about before to to get to know the tools myself to see how things work to to know how to work with the camera and to know your technology, it's 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 been easy because then people can't uh, fool around with you. They can't uh, tell you it's not possible because of this and that because you know it's possible. You can show you, them. You can too. you can show them exactly. It, it helps so much. It helped me so much uh, so many times to actually know how things are done, uh, and to I mean what we were talking about last time I think to is to. Also get uh, control over, uh, to, to get your own equipment or, or try to get in a position where you're not so dependent on, uh, on someone else all the time. Right. Uh, time is, is very important to have. Yeah. yeah. As you can tell in this movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's very much a testament to that. Yeah. All right, Johannes. Well, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Yeah, I can't pleasure to meet you again. I guess, yeah, the next movie, the next festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Take Looking it easy. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the No Film School podcast on whatever podcast platform you use. Go ahead and give us a rating and let us know how we're doing. And of course, stay tuned every Monday for interview podcasts just like this one. 
I'm John Fusco. You can follow me on Twitter at Jim underscore John underscore Jim. You can follow No Film School at No Film School. And be sure to visit the site for more on the art of filmmaking. Until next week.